Coming up on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast, we catch up with the Adelaide Footy League's Women's Representative Team Coach, Brooke Copeland. Also, the VAFA's Women's Representative Team Coach, John Cannis. Our State League's wrap with Matthew Cox and Lauren Hodgson. And we find out what's happening in the AFL London Women's League with Mitch Scully. That's all coming up over the next hour. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to another episode of the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. And a friendly reminder, you can hear this podcast as a radio program Wednesday evenings from 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne or on the RSN Racing and Sport app. This weekend, as part of the Queen's Birthday long weekend, it's representative football time. And over at Aldi Arena in Adelaide, the Adelaide Footy League Women's Competition, formerly known as the SAWFL, play host to the VAFA, an interstate battle. It's great to see it's back on the calendar. And we've got both of the coaches on the line to talk about how they've been preparing for this big clash. First of all, let's head across to a woman who played for the Green Acres Footy Club, was a coach in the Sample W with West Adelaide, also part of the Adelaide Crows coaching system as well. She, was, in fact, was the Players Player Award winner back in 2013 in the SAWFL. It's great to have on the line Adelaide Footy League Women's Representative Team Coach, Brooke Copeland. Brooke, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Peter. First of all, can you explain what the honour is for you to be leading the first ever Adelaide Footy League women's representative side to take on the VAFA? Uh, look, it's a, it's a really big honour. Um, I've uh, sort of come through the ranks of playing um, amateur league myself, so yeah, the, the, the sport over here is just um, it's it's expanded very quickly. So um, yeah, it's it's good to sort of see girls uh, have the opportunity to uh, to play and represent their state against Victoria on the June long weekend. And, um, yeah, look, I'm just really, really proud to sort of be uh, heading them up. And I've got a couple of great assistant coaches in, in Shane Moon and Richard Gray. So we're all really excited to um, really, uh, yeah, see what we can do with the group and, and take on the, the big Vic in, uh, on Saturday. Just to give uh, those of the outside of South Australia a bit of an idea into the competition, the uh, competition formerly known as the Sawful, the South Australian Women's Football League, up until about four years ago was perhaps two divisions, eight or nine teams. How's it expanded now? Uh, I think there's uh, 62 teams now. Um, I think there's five or six uh, divisions. so yeah, and and it's now it's pushed right into the to the hills and you know really regional as well. So um, obviously you know it's expanded every year. I think uh, with the introduction of AFLW and, and Sandfieldw, I think that's probably just highlighted a bit of a pathway for for girls. And uh, you know we've seen a lot of girls jump um, from other sports to to give football a go, and you know they're they're really able now. Um, to go to their local clubs, um, which were, you know, usually men's and, and boys' clubs, and, and now sort of participate in juniors uh, as well as open um, teams. So um, I think it's just, yeah, a bit of the opportunities now there for them, um, and, and clubs are really jumping jumping at it and seeing that they can expand their sort of, I guess, membership base and um, expand their sort of family environment in, in their clubs. So it's really good to see. And just quickly on that, from your perspective, as being a female footballer yourself that played for a number of years at Green Acres, won the Players' Player Award in uh, 2013 and obviously coached uh, West Adelaide in the Sandfield W, how much yep. of a shot on the arm, not just AFLW starting up, but most importantly in South Australia, having Adelaide win that first premiership, how much of a shot in the arm was that? Oh, I think it was great. I mean... Uh... Yeah, I was sort of involved with, with the Crows as well the last couple of years and um, I just, 
seeing seeing the young young girls and, and boys even at uh, at the games, um, you know, especially the first first few rounds at uh, at Audi. Um, yeah, it was just really great to see the support, you know, everyone getting behind and just seeing seeing a, a different style of game that the the women bring. Um, and I think it was just something new, something exciting, and it's just uh, sparked a lot of interest in a lot of people. So that's that's really been great here in SA. So for this first representative match that will be played at Aldi Arena, when did the formation start to begin of getting players together, the former squad, to start training? Yeah. Um, look, we sort of uh, started getting selectors out to some of the, the earlier earlier rounds. Um, and then we sort of started compiling some notes and, and sending out um, the league sent out uh, emails to the clubs and had them uh, generally nominate about three three girls that they thought could uh, represent. Um, so we've we've really had girls from uh, what's currently the Division One uh, down to probably Division Four girls uh, come out in um, a trial. So about four weeks ago we we ran sort of a, a trial. We extended past what we originally thought was going to be maybe a three week program. We added an extra week in early just because there was there was so many new girls out there and a lot of talent um, as well. So we just wanted to have um, yeah extra sets of eyes and, and that around to to have a look at the girls. So um, yeah, so the programs sort of come together and it's been uh, a four week program with a, with one off trial and then we've sort of started to narrow it down um, pretty much each each session. So. Yeah, and that, uh, we made made an announcement to, to the team last night on on the final 24. Um, so that's sort of yeah being a, um, released this morning. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, that's sort of where we're at at the moment. It's been, and it's been tough at every selection so too. So um, yeah, limited time to sort of see the girls and see what they can do. Um, so just having those extra sets of eyes, you know, with selection has, has really helped. As you said, you've gone down to the 24 now. Has the captain been announced yeah. or is that still to be announced? No, uh, she's announced. I'm, I'm happy to announce it on, on here. We announced it to the group last night. Um, we'll be coming out coming out this morning. But, uh, look, it's, it's Chelsea Packer from uh, Morfordville Park. Uh, she's just been a bit of a standout for us at training with uh, just being vocal and, and being a real leader on, on field. Um, and we also selected a, a vice captain in Georgia Taylor from Adelaide University. Um, both uh, just had that sort of ex- sort of had that experience on field and uh, sort of off field as well when it came to sort of you know some group chats and, and that kind of thing. So those two stood out for us in the, in that leadership role. Now you did mention that um, uh, clubs were playing a process in putting the squad together by nominating players forward to uh, initially train with the squad and when you did your trial. Was that just limited to Division 1? Were you looking at perhaps some of the better players from Division 2, etc.? Uh, yeah, look, we, we, we went down to as far as probably Division 4. Um, it was hard to get actual selectors out to, to those games just based on the number of games happening every every weekend. Um but uh, we had, yeah, we had a few from, um, yeah, some some games that we hadn't seen before, and that's why we decided to run a bit of a trial there. Um, the girls that we hadn't really seen um, and been able to get eyes on as far as selectors and and that. So, um, what, yeah, so that was just a way for us to to be able to. Uh, Give those girls a bit more of a chance um, and see if we can find some gems in, in those divisions. Now, as we've had in years gone by, some of the uh, Crows players would come back to play in the Adelaide Football League competition. That's changed this year because they're mainly playing in the NT Thunder. We've obviously had the yeah. Sandville W footballers come back to play in the Adelaide Footy League. What criteria have you put it, put amongst that? And is it a case of 
almost excluding those players to, I guess, push the next generation? Um, I guess, uh, yeah, with, with those girls sort of, uh, out of, out of the league, um, it really get, does give an opportunity for, for others to, to stand up, um, and even from some of those lower, lower divisions. So, um, look, the league would be, uh, you know, aware of sort of, of losing sort of, I guess, the, the top talent that had sort of come out of, out of the amateur league, but, um, at the same time, there's been a lot of draw cards with, like I said before, new girls coming from other sports that are just wanting to have a go. And, you know, and the amateur leagues are a great, um, you know, spot for them to sort of come in and feel comfortable and, and have a game and um, have a bit of fun, see how they go. Um, and then, you know, there's that pathway now that if they want to take it more seriously here, they they have the um, Central W and the AFLW to, to try to push for. So, um, yeah, I think that the amateur league is a, a great spot for girls who are interested in, in trying and um you know having a go coming out and seeing if they enjoy the game and 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 that so that's i think um yeah the big the big plus about the amateur league now the game is being played on saturday as part of a double header at aldi arena alongside the um adelaide football league men's taking on the vafa um have the squads yeah. been training separately or have you tried to uh, join the women's and, and men's squads together not obviously doing the drills but trying to i yeah. guess have a bit of a bonding that you're both representing the state and the league yeah. Uh yeah, look we we haven't uh trained together. Um we've been we've been probably fairly fairly separate. Um it just probably comes down to a little bit of uh, availability on, on oval space and, and things like that and at the moment. Um green space in, in Adelaide is very, very tough to find this time of year. Um and to find sort of uh, you know, a space where you can get a full oval um can sometimes be a bit hard too. So um we've had some clubs, uh, amateur league clubs help us out. Um, to give us some space to train. But, yeah, look, we, we haven't uh, trained with, with the men's side. As we said, you're taking on the VAFA, who did have a representative side last year. They played against the AFL Goldfields competition where they won quite comfortably. How much do you know about your opposition? Uh, yeah, look, um, yeah, not, not too much, to be honest. Um, we sort of watched a, a little bit of footage um, just to sort of uh, try to pick up, yeah, any any sort of key, key players or... Um, uh, just the style of style of football. Um, we know Victorian tend to uh, Victorian teams tend to play a you know a very um, strong sort of contested game um, and like a physical game. But you know they're also got um, plenty of runners as well. So um, so that's sort of our our big sort of key things we were looking at coming into to the weekend. Um, and yeah, look, we've we've got uh, a lot of talent in in our team as well that we think we can uh, yeah we can uh, have a good game on Saturday. And one last one before I let you go. I imagine as, as much as three years ago, the um, Sawville and our Adelaide Football League women's competition, um, the best coverage that you had essentially when it came to media was um, on grand final day where you'd have your grand final filmed. It wasn't live stream. It was just filmed and then uploaded to YouTube. Now you actually yeah. have weekly coverage. I think it's something like a five-camera yeah. stream. The video production is outstanding. How much does that yeah. mean to you as um, a footballer and a coach and someone that's come up through the ranks yeah. to see how the media coverage has developed of grassroots football in Adelaide? Yeah, look, I think it's it's really good. Um, I used it uh, definitely a few times to help, um, you know, watch a few games myself um, in the lead up to selections. Um, uh, besides sort of getting out to to games, but um, I think it, it really gives a bit of an option for for girls to you know share on social media and have friends that and family that maybe can't make it um, watch. Um, it also helps, uh, you know, if 
if the coaches that can, um, you know, use some of that footage and take it back um, and use it as feedback when it comes to game reviews or uh, individual reviews with, with players. So, um, yeah, one of the best ways, obviously, to, to learn and improve is, is sort of looking at how you uh, attack certain parts of the game and, and uh, yeah, try to improve on, on uh, certain aspects of your game and visually having that there as a tool is, is just a, a big bonus. Well, Brooke, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football Radio on RSN Carnival. And we wish you all the very best as you take on the VAFA women's side this Saturday down at Audi Arena. Excellent. Thanks very much for having me, Peter. Now to see how the Big V are preparing. And it's great to have on the line the head coach of the VAFA women's representative team in John Canis. John, how are you? Very well, thank you. Uh, just uh, looking forward to the game myself, actually. But uh, it's been a busy week. Yes, counting down to that big representative game when you take on the South Australians. But uh, before we get there, for yourself, uh, this is your second year coaching the VAFA women's side. Uh, for you personally, how is it different from last year when uh, you had the honours taking on AFL Goldfields? Um, well, it's different in that we um, know, know more about what the beast is in terms of the process that's coming into it. Um, last year we started with a complete blank canvas on on the whole thing and everyone was new, the girls were new uh, and so we, and the competition was new and so we really felt like we wanted to be as inclusive as we could be there was about 2,000 players throughout the competition by the end of the season last year or 1,900 I think and um, so at the start of the year when there was 13, 14, 1,500 as it grew we, we just wanted to be um, embracing of, of all the clubs um, and try to get them involved in, in amateur footy and VAFA footy and have them get a bit of an, as many people from as many of the clubs as possible to get an understanding of the institution of, um, of amateur footy. So, so we had 70 on the list last year and we, we worked our way through that. And, um, yeah, that was, that was a bit of a process and in the end we got a side that, that managed to win. Uh, but, you know, selection of, of sides of the um, carnival sides is not uh, an exact science. Um, going around, we started it off with getting the, the coaches to recommend um, their best couple of players, and uh, then we went around about trying to see as many of those as, as we could. Just on that, what was the focus? Was it strictly looking at uh, those that were playing in the Premier Women's competition or, or was it expanded to some of the better players from Premier B or even Div 1? Oh, no, no, we went, uh, we went right down. We had some girls from the second last grade, I think. Um, so, so new. You know, there's no telling what was there. So we really felt like we had to get out there and, and go and check to see. Um, who was there and uh, what what talent was there. I mean, so there was an aspect of it that was encompassing of all the clubs so the girls can go back and spread the word to, to their girls that they had a good experience, hopefully, involved in, in at least the squad and playing and, and get an understanding of the, the enormity of the amateurs that sort of home to about 14,000 footballers these days. Uh, so that, that 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 was that was sort of what it was about. It was a tedious pro- process in in some ways, but nonetheless, the the attitude of the girls was just phenomenal from the start, and so so refreshing in the way that they they go about it. And uh, culturally, they 
their footy is, is quite different to the um, to the men, and uh, for that it was a blessing. You know, they listen, they do things, and just little characteristics of the way they go about it each week is different to the quite different to the guys. So um, yeah, the other thing is, of course, that the standard. There's many many girls that that um, had never played before, so there's varying standards. Um, the much publicised injuries from tackles and things like that and all that stuff that, that goes on. Those people just learning and feeling their way at the comp in its infancy, infancy which it still is now. Um, but, but we got around and, you know, there were, I think last year there, there wasn't as great a difference between the premier grade and the lower grades last year. I, I thought that the sides in the grade below were were pretty good and would have been very competitive in the in the, the grade above. Um, but uh, this year I've not noticed that the Premier Division is up a notch, and um, and for that it's um, it's it's putting a bit of a gap between the other the other grades and themselves. So whilst we still do have girls from the lower grade. Uh, there are a number of a number of you know the majority are from the premier grade this year, whereas it was more of a split last year. So we've got we've got uh, an odd girl in the side who's I don't know what great grade there, and they're certainly not in the in the grade direct the two grades directly below. So you know, the white and the blue grades, she might be down a couple of grades. So uh, so we still still do get out there and have a look at some of those other grades, but I think it's, there's a gap. That there wasn't like, that wasn't there last year. But for that, uh, um, the side is stronger than last year, and I think that that reason for that is twofold. One is that there's been great improvement in some of the girls that started last year that are back in the squad. They're better, much better players this year. But I've noticed actually improvements during the season, each season, of the girls as it goes along, which has been which has been great to see. But the comp the comp is better this year with the inclusion of. Um, a couple of new sides and uh, Melbourne Uni have restructured the way that they go about it. They didn't really have a, that much of a serious side in it last year and they made a bit more of an effort this year and their, their side in our Premier Division is their BFL second side. So that's, uh, they've got some good players in that side and uh, would be one of the favourites along with Marston and Kevin for the uh, for that title and Marston won it last year. A bit of an upset over St Kevin's, of course. Last year, of course, you had a big win over AFL Goldfields in your inaugural representative match. Between yeah. then and now, how much turnover have you had with the squad, considering we've had the new VFL women's restructure come along, and, of course, that called upon a lot of VAFA players to go up and, and fill roles there? Yeah, and no, I have done that. Um, two missing, uh, Kate McQueen being a notable springs to mind, uh, Monique Maitland, now there's an example of a girl that was in the lowest of the grades last year at Old Mentonium, and she's playing for the St Kilda Saints this year, I saw her, and, and going pretty well. I saw her on Saturday night, actually, she played she had a game for um, Old Mentonians against Old Brighton, and um, and she starred, and it really, really improved a lot. Um, Sasha Long's at St Kilda Saints. So, yes, yeah, there are girls there. There's, there's quite a few that are, that are unavailable, but we have got, we have got some VFL girls. Uh, you know, they haven't quite uh, gone over the qualifying amount of over more than four games in VFL footy. So, 
So the South Australians are a little bit nervous about about that uh, because their their VFL season's over, so they're all they're all done and dusted in terms of the number of girls that they can play. Their season was was won and lost with, without an eye to keeping players eligible, so to speak. But um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, the eligibility rule is that you can't have played more than. Um, Four games of VFL put in, you must have played at least one game for your club side. So, so we'll be uh, finding the way to just check out that they're abiding by that. Get <laughs> uh, an experience in the men's comp a couple of years ago where we sort of, sort of they came over with a very strong side and we later found that there were some players that probably didn't quite fit the agreed criteria. <laughs> Something to keep a little bit of spice in the rivalry. Uh, what's your plans yeah. from now? As we speak to you, it's Wednesday night. We're uh, three sleeps away from the match being played at Alney Arena yeah. in Adelaide. Um, what is the plan from here now? Is there one more training session before you head over? And are you heading over Friday night or doing the Saturday morning plane ride? Well, as a coach, not happy, but there's nothing much we can do about it. Um, we're not, you know, the whole competition's not flush with funds. They're taking two teams over, so they're very, very, everyone is very fortunate to be part of this experience. Um, but we're flying over Saturday morning, uh, and we will go straight to the ground, would you believe? Um, I'm just sort of in the process of picking up something to fill in a little bit. We'll have, we'll have a breakfast probably at the airport before we head off, because the, the timing of the flight is right on the, the crucial food intake time. Um, and then we'll get to the ground and come up with something that's, uh, that ease the nerves and have a bit of a laugh with each other and also create, hopefully create some bonds. That's, that's my job later in the week to think of what that activity might be. And, um, then, uh, yeah, prepare and play the game ready for the, the 10 past one start. And we'll be the curtain raiser for the, uh, for the men playing the South Australians for which there will be a little bit of a, um, a rivalry and a score to settle. Now, we know that the Adelaide Footy League women's competition uh, stream uh, a match of the round online each and every week. Has that given you a little bit of assistance in opposition analysis to be able to have a look at least to who some of their better players are that you'll need to keep an eye on for this Saturday? Uh, not really. I've got to say, no, and no, I've been sort of really flat out just sort of sorting out our own um, our own situation here because uh, that's you know, all, all we can really do is put is put our best side together and um, and send it out and I, I guess more or less hope for the best. I mean, it, there's uh, there's just probably not the time. I mean, we are amateur amateur footy, so we'll be relying on uh, on our on our eyes and sense of what's going on to to come and pull up on things like that. And it was announced at the start of the week you've given the honour of the captaincy to Melbourne Uni's Ruby Grounds and the honour of the vice-captaincy to Marceline's Taylor Padfield. That's right. Um, well, I think that... Um, uh, I've seen Ruby play quite a few times and we didn't. we're a bit uncertain of the captaincy. I had a chat earlier, um, well, late last week, and there was no one really at that point that, uh, well, you said, really put our minds to it, but there was no one, no sort of natural leader from last year's side. I had a great captain last year in Claire Mercent, who 
who hasn't continued playing this year. Um, but uh, oh, just a few things I saw in, in Ruby, um, especially on Sunday in, in that great game that, that uh, Melbourne Uni had with um, uh, Marcelin at, yeah. at Uni Oval. Yeah, yeah. And look, she's, she played very well, but I just I went out of the group at three-quarter time to, to listen and observe, and I just like the way she addressed her, her teammates there and um, you know, a really good demeanour about her, and you can see that she's much loved by her, by her teammates, and um, and she just has a very, very appealing and, um, uh, what's the word, she's... Uh, um, you're drawn to her, you know. She's got a, she's got a lovely demeanour about her, and, and you, you get a feeling that you wouldn't want to let her down. I, I could just sort of sense that type of thing with her. So, um, and also being a club captain helps. We've got um, Taylor Padfield as the, as the vice captain, which was arguably a bit controversial, and that I have to justify the choice of uh, because her club captain. Um, in Ali Rock is also in the uh, in the side, but I just thought Ali's a, a key defender and in the back half, and I, I, I'm a bit of a fan of the way um, Taylor goes around the ground, and she's she's a natural leader by the way that she plays. She's just, she's just strong and gives the side and those around her presence. Um, so that was uh, that, that was my feeling there. That um, good to have someone. You know, around the ground, both players around the ground that um, that will get around and, and provide, you know, good talk and good leadership and hopefully some playing inspiration as well by their deeds. Well, John, thank you very much for your time here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, and we wish you and the Big V all the very best as you take on the Adelaide Footy League women's side this Saturday at Aldi Arena. Thank you very much, and um, keep up your good work too, Peter. Now, before we head over to London and catch up with Mitch Skelly for all the latest news on women's footy in England, I thought I'd just quickly go through some of the news from the AFLW trade period. The free agency period officially ends on Friday, June 8th, so there's plenty of players that have been delisted that are looking for a new home. If they're not signed, then they go into the draft in October, hoping to get picked up again. Here are the clubs and here's the players that have been delisted that are available to be picked up by any team in any state. Uh, the Adelaide Crows have delisted Sophie Armistead, Georgia Bevan, uh, Abby Holmes, Rachel Killian, uh, Callista Boyd, uh, Becca Palmer and Brianna Walling. Uh, the Brisbane Lions have delisted Ruby Blair, Renee Cowan, Kalanda Harworth, Jesse Keefe and Molly Ritson. The Carlton Football Club have delisted Laura Attard, Madeline Kerrick, Sarah Last, Kate Shearlaw, Tina Cochran and Katie Jane Grieve. The Collingwood Football Club have delisted Caitlin Edwards, Meg Hutchins, Tara Morgan, Lauren Tessariero and Bree White. Uh, the Fremantle Football Club have delisted Stacey Barr, Kirby Bentley, Lara Filicomo, Tia Haynes, Amy Lavelle, Emily Maguire, Belinda Smith, Jody White, Jade DeMello, Beatrice Devlin, Lisa Webb. The Greater Western Sydney Giants have delisted Melissa Freckleton, Rebecca Privatelli, Alex Saundry, Philippa Smythe, uh, Renee Tompkins and Hanine Zarika. The Melbourne Demons have delisted Laura Jure, Alyssa Mipsard and Maddie Shevlin. 
And the Western Bulldogs have delisted Jessica Anderson, Laura Bailey, Kimberly Ebb and Rachel Ashley. Amongst those names that I've mentioned, some big, big talent, uh, particularly over in Fremantle, the likes of Kirby Bentley, who's obviously had some injury issues. If she could be picked up by someone, if not Frio, maybe West Coast next year if she was to sit out 2019. But certainly... Would some of the Victorian clubs be interested or someone like GWS or Adelaide or um, the Brisbane Lions? Some big names that have been delisted that could be picked up through this free agency period or if they do nominate for the draft for the 2019 season. Watch this space, I guess. Let's find out what is happening over in London and it's great to have on the line the coach of the Wandsworth Demons and the England Vixens, Mitch Scully. Mitch, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Pete. Yeah, it's an exciting time of the year, middle of the year, so uh, yeah, really good. Things really kicking off, and they kicked off for round four over the weekend on a Thursday night at Clapham Junction with your Demons taking on the Magpies in the Women's Conference. Uh, Wandsworth 2 3 yeah, 15, yeah. getting over the line against uh, Putney 1 straight 6. Yeah, that was a good game to watch. Um, both sides had a fair bit to play for, sort of at the moment, I think they're second and third. Um, it was a really good game. In the ruck, we saw Dee Kelly from Putney and Claudia Flynn from the Demons. They were probably best on for both sides, but I think the Demons were able to probably capitalise a bit more. They had a bit more strength in the midfield. But, yeah, really good game, pretty close until the end. West London Wildcats, 8-9-57, too good for the London Swans, one four ten. Yeah, certainly the upset of the round. Uh, the Swans were undefeated before the weekend and then got a bit of a touch-up from the Wildcats, but... Having sort of checked out the results and I've noticed the Wildcats, their star player from last year, Zali Tuvi, she was back in action after a bit of a layoff. I think she may have even been travelling. Um, so she would have had a huge impact on the game. And I think they had no premiership game on the weekend, so they are able to play a couple of people back and strength up their side. So big result for them, though, to get um, such a – yeah, that's, that's probably the biggest win they've had in that division. Um, but now the Swans, they're still holding on to the top spot with three wins. And in the Women's Premiership Division, the South East London Giants, two behinds, no match for the North London Lions, 7-5-47. Yeah, it's another big win for the Lions. So they've had two big wins on the trot now. Um, they'll be happy with the form of Kathleen O'Connell. She bagged two, and I think the rest of their goal scorers were all individual, so that's a good spread of goals for them. And uh, unfortunately, the Giants, after a good year last year, they've struggled with three losses on the trot now for them, so... Uh, yeah, sort of ladder starting to take shape after four rounds. Let's have a look ahead to round five. Who plays who and when? All right, we've got three games on Saturday. Uh, in the conference division, the Demons, Wandsworth Demons host the Swans on Clapham Common. Now, that's a really exciting day for London footy as well because we have Big Freeze on the sea, which is a bit of a, uh, obviously replicating Big Freeze at the G. Uh, that's to raise money and try and fight MND. Uh, after their loss last week, I think the Swans will be pretty keen to get back on the winners list. And obviously the Demons will be hoping to get um, two wins in a row for the first time this year in conference. Now our women's conference coach, Jimmy Exelby, he's actually away this weekend. He's at the Paris Fashion Show promoting budgie smugglers, of all things. Uh, so that means I'll, I'll take the reins for the conference side. So I'll tip us for a win, but I think it's going to be a very tough game against the top of the league, the Swans. In the premiership, we've got two games. We've got North London hosting Wimbledon Hawks. Um, probably pretty hard to look past the Lions here. They've had, you know, two big wins in a row. Um, they'll fancy themselves. Hawks have been a little bit indifferent with their form. But, yeah, we've seen this year there's been no certainty, so I'll tip the Lions. We'll see what happens. 
And then the other game is the Giants hosting the Wildcats. So last year, the runner-up in the Premiership Division, uh, they're currently winless after three games, and they'll be desperate to get on the board. And the Wildcats, I just can't predict their form. So I'm going to go for a draw in this game and just leave it to see what happens. Let's turn our attention to representative football over in Great Britain. First of all, on the weekend, uh, the GB Swans got together in Cardiff. Yeah, so I had a chat to their coach, Ian Mitchell, uh, the other Mitch over here, and he was really happy with, um, obviously, being in Cardiff. They had a few new Welsh players in attendance, um, as well as a few new English players. So they've also got a friendly match arranged with the London All-Stars, which will be in August. That'll be really interesting to see how they go. A few new players playing for the GB side and a couple of really exciting new Aussies playing over here in London. So that should be a competitive game. And they're really trying to build up towards the European Championships in 2019. So that tournament takes place every three years in the year leading up to the International Cup. So I guess that sort of building up that cycle of the International Cups has sort of started, um, building up their squad for the Euros next year and then the International Cup in two years' time. New players on board, that's awesome for the Swans. Great to hear. Now, we'll touch on the Euro Championships in just a moment, but first of all, for your England Vixens, uh, you've got a session coming up uh, this weekend. Yep, so we've got our trial day for the 2018 Euro Cup. So the Euro Cup is the nine-a-side competition with uh, internet, uh, with nations from all across Europe. Our trial day will be in Nottingham on Sunday. Um, we're hoping to, well, we will be picking a squad of 16 from the trial day, so we're hoping to get sort of 25, 30 people up in Nottingham. Um, as we've talked about before, the, the Euro Cup will be in Cork this year. So obviously we beat Ireland in the final last year um, on, home soil, on the home soil. They'll be really strong and really competitive. So, yeah, hoping to get a really strong England victim, Vixen squad for the Euro Cup this year. Euro Cup to be played in Cork, and everyone's just keeping an eye on if uh, if Cora Stoughton will play for the Irish Banshees in that tournament. Um a bit of something different for the Euro Cup. It's normally held in October every year, but there's been an early announcement for the 2019 Euro Cup. Yeah, so they're hosting the Euro Cup in, and I don't even know how to pronounce this, but it's Nortelj in Sweden. So, um, yeah, the Swedish AFL, they've, they've really picked up the last couple of years. Their women's, um, their women's program is quite strong as well, which is great for footy. They've got a strong international team and a couple of clubs playing women's footy. Um, but yeah, as, as we've seen, it, it will take place in June, not October. So I don't know if that's preempting the uh, Swedish weather in October, or um, trying to avoid a clash or as a bit of a build-up towards the Euro Championships next year. But that'll be really exciting to go somewhere a little bit different to play some footy. And apparently, the facility there is absolutely top-notch. So obviously, we play nine-side games on a rugby-sized field, um, and I think that's a a centre with five sort of really good level pitches, so that'll be yeah, really a really really good tournament and something a little bit different. And again, I guess to explain for everyone, particularly back in Australia or outside of Europe, that for women's Australian rules football over there in Europe, there's three different type of European uh, championships in a way. You've got the European Champions League, which is a one day tournament in April, which is essentially the best clubs from around Europe. Then you've got the Euro Cup each year, normally in October, but as we said in 2019 in Sweden, it'll be held in June, which is the Niner side. And then as you explained, the year before each International Cup, so every three years, there's the 18-a side National European Championship. Yeah, that's spot on. So the Champions League and the Euro Cup 
they're played with a nine-a-side format um, over one day. And I think that's really good because you get teams from all over Europe, so clubs for the Champions League, countries for the Euro Cup, um, and that's a really good way to introduce people to the sport. Not only that, it is really competitive as well. So, um, yeah, the final last year between England and Ireland was a really high-standard game of footy. Um, and But being nine-a-side, it's quite open, quite fast, quite skillful. And then, yeah, obviously the, the big one for a European nation would be to to do well at the International Cup. So um, each three years before the International Cup, they have the European Championships. I think uh, in 2016, there was two women's, sorry, three women's sides. There was uh, GB Swans, which is obviously um, England, Wales and Scotland. And then there was Ireland. And also there was uh, a European Crusaders team. So... Three teams last year, and they, I think that's played over the course of a week, sort of a similar format to the International Cup. Um, and I, I would say they'd be hoping to get at least the three teams, if not if not more, next year with the growth we've had in women's footy over here. Let's hope so. Mitch, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We look forward to catching up with you next week to find out how the trial session went for the England Vixens and for round five results from the AFL London Women's League. Will do, Pete. Look forward to it. Thank you. Time for our State Leagues wrap. Now, Aaron Russell is away this week, so we'll just do a quick check of the Quaffle scores for him. Uh, on the weekend, Wilston Grange, 9-16-70, defeated Cooperoo, 3-4-22. A big dominant win there by the Gorillas. Uh, UQ Red Lions, 8-13-61, defeated Yeronga South Brisbane, 5-4-34. Serena Frederick-Torb now playing for the UQ Red Lions and had four goals on the weekend in a dominant display. And Bond University, 4-6-30, just got over the line against Maroochydore, 3-4-22. Kulangatatweed had the bye. Looking ahead to round nine action on Saturday, Kulangatatweed hosts Maroochydore at Corpshaw Oval, 4.45 p.m. And at Bendigo Bank Oval at 4.45 p.m., Wilson Grange host Bond University, Cooperoo, Yeronga South Brisbane and the UQ Red Lions having the bye this round. Let's find out what happened in the VFLW over the weekend and to review round five action, I've got on the line our league caller here at RSN Carnival and Matthew Cox. Coxie, how are you? Very well, Pete. A little bit disappointed that we've got uh, a competition by this weekend for the Queen's birthday long weekend because I just feel like we were getting some momentum with the 2018 VFL women's season. It's been an interesting five rounds, and uh, once more, we've had some interesting games on the weekend. We kicked off on Saturday morning with Hawthorne and Collingwood at Box Hill City Oval. Now, we thought this game was going to be a close one. It turned out to be, but we thought the result would be the other way around. It was the Magpies who got the chocolates, 4-4-28 to the Hawks, 3-3-21. Yeah, the Hawks' first blemish for 2018. Didn't expect it to come on Saturday morning against... The, the Magpies, who just uh, seemed to be on top right throughout the game. They led pretty much all day uh, on the scoreboard uh, by Hawthorne not getting a goal until the second half, which is surprising in itself after how dominant they've been uh, across the opening month of football. So a good result for, for Collingwood. Uh, Chloe Malloy, pivotal in her return to Collingwood Colours, the first time in the VFL women's competition and uh, she was impressed 
She kicked most of the score early. I think she ended up with one goal three for the the uh, for the match. So impressive return. Other goal kickers on the weekend for the Magpies: Fowler, Whitford, and Alexander all kicked one. Whilst for the Hawks, Carroll and Gilda and Dowler uh, were the goal kickers on the weekend for them. And just having a look at some of the impressive player stats from the weekend, Sarah Darcy was the leading disposal getter on the ground, alongside Emma Mackey, the captain of the Hawks, both racking up 20 touches. Carlton versus Darabin, that was the other game on Saturday morning, and it was the Falcons who ran wild in the second half, winning 11-6-72 to Carlton's 3-5-23. Another interesting result, this one, Pete, not because of the uh, victory to the Falcons. I thought they were a chance uh, when we were previewing this match last week, but I would have thought it was going to be a little bit closer on the scoreboard than what it ended up being. Carlton were missing quite a few of their star players, but Starabin just complete and utter control of the game right from the word go. Having a look at some of the statistics in this game, 35 in side 50s to 28. Not a great differential between the, the two sides, but obviously Darabin were a lot more effective going inside attacking 50. Hit out 42 to 26 in favour of the Falcons. Um, so they were just uh, better users of the football uh, in the end, looking at those statistics. Goal kickers on the weekend. Hannah Mouncey kicked three continuing her impressive form up forward for Darabin. Gearin kicked two. And then single goal kickers, Wilson, Tyndall, Hammond, Simpson, Gardner on that list. Looking to the game between Richmond and Essendon, which we called on Saturday night, the Tigers 8-6-54, defeating Essendon 3-2-20. It was tied for the first half. The Tigers got away by halftime. Essendon controlled that third quarter, but just couldn't put it on the scoreboard. A direct replica of the week before at Trevor Barker Beach Oval for the Bombers when they had all the opportunities in the third quarter and just couldn't impact the scoreboard the way they wanted to. A little bit concerning because the rest of their game seems there. They were a little bit better coming out of the defensive half uh, against Richmond than what they were against the Southern Saints the week before. So it's just that inside 50s that are the issue at the moment for the Bombers. So... Uh, over the bye, no doubt they'll be working on that. Richmond, though, impressive. Uh, both times I've seen them live, I've been very impressed with uh, their ball usage and also contested game. And the other bit that I like from them on the weekend is that they were very composed. They didn't panic when Essendon had momentum and control of the game. They just stuck to their structures, knew what they had to do. Yes, at times it was a little bit, um, the execution's a little bit off, which is what you'd expect for players that are still developing, but uh, I think they've got a good core and a good foundation to build something at the time. There's goal kickers on the weekend. Ella Ross kicked two. Tessa Riero also kicked two. Monaghan, Wakefield, King in her debut for the Tigers, and Colwell also goal kickers. Whilst for the Bombers, Bullis, Hardy, and Nalda 
kicked their goals on Saturday evening at Punt Road. Phoebe Monaghan was the inaugural Archie Joy Murphy Award winner from that Dreamtime match. And the other player that impressed us again, Laurentessa Riero, who was on the Collingwood list, but as of this week has been delisted. And based on her performance on Saturday night, we expect her to be snapped up again in the draft. We head up to Darwin TAO Stadium, where the NT Thunder 13-5-83 defeated a competitive Western Bulldogs 7-5-47. Yeah, even though the the margin was uh, getting up around, what's that, that's 30, 38 points, I think. No, not 38. Anyway, we'll look over that. Um, even though it is a, a significant gap, it's what you'd expect when you're coming up against the Northern Territory Thunder. They're a very good side, as we've detailed a number of times already this year. Western Bulldogs, as you say, a lot more competitive, better signs. They're hitting the scoreboard, uh, which will be impressive. Uh, or is more impressive than their opening month of footy where they've just really struggled to convert inside 50s. So good signs for the Bulldogs. They're yet to win a game in 2018, but uh, going on the last couple of weeks, they should be able to turn that around after the Queen's birthday long weekend. Goal kickers in this game, and there was a lot of them for both sides, actually. For the Northern Territory Thunder, Hatchard kicked four, Duggan two, Foley two, Bevan, Anderson, Hewitt, Rajik and Wallace, the goal kickers for the Northern Territory Thunder. For the Western Bulldogs, McLeod kicked two, Ferris two, Frank kicked one, Jolly kicked one and Morgan with the other. On Sunday morning at Point Jollybrand, Williamstown 5-7-37, defeated by the Casey Demons 8-1-49. Casey getting on the board for the first time in 2018. Good win over Williamstown and Again, similar to the Western Bulldogs, even though it was a loss for the Seagulls, again, they were competitive on the scoreboard, which has been a little bit of a concern uh, in the first month of footy. So, again, positive signs for Williamstown, but unfortunately unable to get over the line on this occasion. Big goal kicker in this game to the Casey Demons, though. Bent Belzen kicked five goals for the Demons, an impressive uh, performance up forward there. Tatham... Uh, Stillart and Shevlin were the other goal kickers. Paterno kicked two for Williamstown. Ludolf, Cross and Duffin, the other goal kickers on the weekend. And finally, the thriller at Melbourne Uni, where the Muggers 4-3-27, leading all day until the 17-minute mark of the final quarter, going down to the Geelong Cats by a point, 4-4-28. Do I give you time to have a bit of self-indulgence here, Pete? I tip this, I tip this. <laughs> Just uh, wanted to put that on the record. Um, no, impressive from Geelong. Uh, you're probably better off giving this uh, debrief for this game because you were there. But looking at the scoreboard, um, as you say, the Muggers uh, were in control for most of, of the game um, and... Uh, <laughs> they were led, really, from Emma Carney. Two goals to her. Abitangelo kicked one tap of the other goal kicker for the Muggers. Impressive from them that they were able to take it up to the Geelong Cats. As we know, though, good sides do get over the line. Um, and even in, even in thrillers, Derby kicked two. Birch kicked one. And then probably the most important one, Cranston, getting them over the line at the end of the day. But uh, Geelong continue to, I think, go okay. Uh, again, you're probably better off making comment on this, Pete, but from what I've seen and uh, 
looked at in our reviews, they, they just seem to be tracking okay at the moment. They're not doing anything too flashy. They haven't hit top gear just yet, which is probably good. It allows them uh, room for improvement. Um, but they've had a couple of close calls already, including that draw against Collingwood earlier in the year. Muggers, though, very positive signs. They're going to continue to get stronger as the year goes on. Well, they're hoping for some big names, obviously, to come in the side. Uh, one example, obviously, is Matty Boyd. If she'll pull on the boots at some stage, Erin Hoare as well, Anna Teague. So there's some players to come back into that side. They'll be encouraged by Amy McDonald, Fergus, uh, McMahon, some of the um, names that uh, haven't been up in lights of late, that they're doing well. They're amongst the best players, and they're carrying the side at the moment where they're just scraping over the line like they did against Carlton. But at the end of the day, it's four points in the bank with better players still to come back. For Melbourne Uni, they'll be filthy. Emma Carney was great. Ash Riddle played a captain's game. She was brilliant in everything, smothering everything. Katie Clatt did a great job at um, at fullback, aided by Kate Gillespie-Jones, who was helping at a two-on-one situation against Derby and also pushing off and creating opportunities going up the half-back flank. It just seems that, again, Melbourne Uni, again, are missing one or two star players to come back. It was a game between... Two sides that are going at, I'd say they're going about 60% capacity. They're getting better from what they were at the start of the year, still yet to hit their straps. Geelong in a better position on the ladder than Melbourne Uni. For the Muggers, if they want to make the top four, and it's only a top four this year, they've got to get their skates on as soon as they come back from the break. Yeah, and it will be interesting whether Scott Gowans can get them into that position or whether they just continue to work and continue to develop and not uh, have too much thought about the ladder towards the back end of the season. Going to be curious to see how it all unfolds for the Muggers because I think maybe two weeks ago you would have said they're no chance to, to play finals, but given their last couple of weeks, they're just starting to, as I said, uh, off the top, build a little bit of momentum and maybe the buys just come at the wrong time for Melbourne yeah. University. Just quickly, uh, the player disposals from this game, top three on the ground went the way of the Muggers. Emma Carney racked up 32 touches and seven tackles. Ash Riddell, 27 touches. Kate Gillespie-Jones racked up 26 disposals and 10 tackles. The best cat on the ground... It was garring with 25 touches. There you are, and I guess uh, Kate Gillespie-Jones uh, maybe sending a message to her old club, Carlton, that you didn't make the use of me, and uh, I'm going to go to uh, North Melbourne, which, of course, Melbourne Uni, North Melbourne aligned, and I'm going to make a real go of it in 2019 and, and stun the footy world, which is great to see. Well, Coxie, thank you very much for joining us here on RSN Carnival Women's Australian Rules Football Radio, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you next week when we'll do our preview due to this week being the competition by. Enjoy the long week. Weekend. I will do, Pete. Uh, nice to, to step away from footy for a week, but uh, gearing up, ready to go for round six of the VFL Women's. And just quickly, um, of course, Southern Saints had the bye in round five, so that's by any Saints fans. You didn't hear a review then because uh, they've got, uh, well, two weeks off. Checking out what happened in the AFL Canberra Women's First Grade over the weekend. It was round six action where Balcon and Magpies 14-13-97 Defeated Ainsley three behinds. Eastlake Demons 8 4 52 defeated Quimbian Tigers 3 7 25. And the Truganong Hawks 4 1 25 got over the line against the Gungarland Jets 3 6 24. No action next week, or should I say this weekend being the Queen's birthday 
uh, long week. And in the WAWFL, no action last weekend due to it being a long weekend over there in WA. Footy returns for round nine this weekend, Saturday, June 9th at 5pm at Leaderville Oval, Subiaco versus West Perth. On Sunday, all games at 2pm at Bendigo Bank Stadium. The Peel Thunderbirds host the Perth Angels. At Claremont Oval, Claremont host East Fremantle. And at Steel Blue Oval, Swan Districts host South Fremantle. To the Tasmanian State League Women's Competition, uh, Glenorchy 4-6-30 defeated Launceston 1-4-10. While Clarence 16-12-108 ran up a big score against the Tigers who did not score. No footy this Queen's Birthday long weekend in Tasmania. And for the South Australian uh, Women's League, the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1, on Saturday night, Salisbury 8-10-58 defeated Port Adelaide 3-3-21. On the Sunday, Morphville Park 8-7-55 defeated Adelaide University 2-4-16. While Christie's Beach 3-4-22 went down to Fitzroy 3-12-30. No football this weekend as far as the regular competition goes because obviously we've got representative football in Adelaide at Aldi Arena on Saturday 1.10pm when the Adelaide Footy League women's competition hosts the VAFA women's competition. That should be a cracker. Hope you can watch that one online. Let's find out what's happening in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division and we've got on the line Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, good thanks Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. Good round of footy. Let's start, shall we, at a Blacktown on Saturday morning where uh, the Auburn Penrith Giants 4-5-29 beat the Western Wolves 1-5-11. Yeah, the game was a bit closer than I would have thought. Um, so well done to the, the Wolves there for keeping the margin um, to three goals. Uh, they they had a, a good crack in the last quarter keeping the Giants scoreless actually. Um, but yeah, just, just couldn't come through with um, enough goals to, to get over the top. Uh, again, Melissa Bryden was, was in the goal, so the Giants kicking, um, kicking two of her own, uh, former Giants listed player Renee Tompkins, uh, kicked the goal as well for the Giants, as did, uh, Kate Easthope, um, and Mars Otto kicked the Wolves only goal. So, um, yeah, a, a close game there, but again, uh, not close enough for the Wolves. The breakaways 5-11-41 defeated the UTS Shamrocks 3-5-23. Yeah, another uh, relatively close one there. I think the Shamrocks would have been um, expecting to do a little bit better this week given their, their big win over the power the week before, but um, not to not to be. And, you know, if it wasn't for some inaccurate kicking on, on the breakaway side, um, you know, the, the margin could have been better. I mean, yeah, 11, 11 behinds um, and five goals isn't, isn't a, a great uh, accuracy there, Peter. Um, goal kickers for the breakaways. Uh, Cody Briggs with two, Wright, Dixon and Groom, one each. Uh, and the goal kickers for the Shamrocks were Jenkins, Highland and Behan. Macquarie University, 7-10-52, defeated the Sydney Uni Bombers, 2-1-13. Yes, but despite going goalless in the uh, third quarter, uh, the Warriors ran away with a, a very comfortable win there and have continued their... Uh, Unbeaten streak. Uh, I think the the wind up in Sydney played a part in some of the inaccuracy over the weekend. I mean, look, seven ten is is not great either. Um, but yeah, the, the Warriors would be happy with a, a solid win and, as I said, continuing their un, unbeaten start to the season. Um, Ellie Brush, I think, playing her first game for the Warriors this year. 
uh, kicked two, Steen kicked two, and uh, Gray and Corellas also kicked one for the Warriors, uh, whilst the goal kickers for the Bombers were McKinnon and Laven. And to the final game of the round, the Southern Power 1-6-12, defeated by the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs 6-6-42. Yeah, so it was a big day out at uh, Waratah Oval for Southern Power with their uh, Doug Nichols Indigenous round. Um, they and the Master side played in Indigenous-inspired uh, design jerseys by by uh, Rihanna Lotta, who plays in the women's side. Um, so unfortunately, the, the party was crashed with the Bulldogs having a win. Um, watching that game myself, um, yeah, look, I don't think the scoreline does justice to, to how close the game is, but unfortunately for the power, they um, couldn't capitalise on some of their early opportunities and, uh, and uh, yeah, didn't, didn't get the ball um, through the middle sticks nearly enough. Um, but probably the closest they've got to the Bulldogs uh, since being in the Premier Division. So definitely some positives there. Uh, power sole goal kicker was Rihanna Lotta, and uh, the goal kickers for the Bulldogs were Lorf, Phillips, Corkiono, McGee, and um, Maniarchus. Well, Lauren, thanks again for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, and we look forward to catching up with you next week because there's obviously a bye for the Queen's birthday long weekend. We'll catch up with you next week for some tips for round nine. Yeah, looking forward to it, Peter, and, uh, yeah, good luck over the next uh, couple of weeks with uh, women's footy. And that wraps things up for yet another week here at Women's Australian Rules Football Radio on RSN Carnival. I'm Peter Holden. It's about time for me to get on out of here. A friendly reminder, no match of the day coverage this weekend on RSN Carnival due to a general competition by in the VFL Women's. We shall return on Sunday the 17th of June at 2pm to bring you Richmond versus Melbourne University from the Queen Elizabeth Oval in Bendigo. So please join us for our live coverage in a week and a half time. We'll be back next Wednesday at 6pm with our regular midweek show. Until then, stay tuned to RSN Carnival Digital Radio. All thanks very much for downloading our podcast and we hope to catch you again next week.